alley on Center Street, went off the road, through the guardrail, and down into the woods. She was lucky to have come away with nothing more serious than a broken leg. Before a tow truck could hoist the shattered vehicle out of the woods, the county sent some guys down there to cut away a few of the bigger trees. It had been a fiasco. I don't know, I said, but they've got the road closed for a reason. No chance another car went down, Peter said. I mean, two in one week? I don't see any new skid marks or tire tracks, I said. Check your underwear, Peter said, smirking. He was the oldest by just a few months, though the extra weight he carried afforded him a youthful, almost cherubic look. His pale green eyes were almost always alert, their color and intensity complemented by a shock of unruly red hair he kept too long in the back. He had been my best friend since we had unwittingly been dumped together in the same sandbox over in the Palisades all those years ago. The tented black hats of two more uniformed officers materialized on the other side of the guardrail. A fourth officer stepped out from one of the cruisers and leaned against the vehicle's hood, appearing cold even in his fur-lined jacket. Scott nodded in the direction of the police cars. Come on, let's check it out. They might grab us for truancy. I said. I'm already in the doghouse with my dad over the whole nozzle neck thing. Mr. Nozolnik, otherwise known as Nozzle Neck due to his faucet-shaped profile and a neck like Ichabod Cranes, was my English teacher at Stanton School. Last month, I had failed to turn in an assignment, and Nozzle Neck, forever at the ready to make some poor student's life miserable, had wasted no time telephoning my father. I had been grounded for a week. Peter checked his Casio. School's been out for twenty minutes already. In tandem, we crossed the intersection and walked up the slight incline of Counterpoint Lane toward the police vehicles and the ambulance. When we reached one of the flashing sawhorses, the bored-looking cop approached. Sorry, fellas. Street's closed. What happened? Peter asked, trying to peer around the cop. You boys need to get out of the street. You can watch from the other side. Did someone drive off the road again? I asked. No. He was a young cop, almost familiar. I glanced at his name tag, but didn't recognize his name. Come on, guys, shake a leg. It's a free country, Peters said, but not with any force. He was still busy trying to look over the cop's shoulder. The cop arched one of his eyebrows. Yeah, well, you can be as free as you want across the street. Can't we just take a quick peek? Peter pushed. The young cop's eyes settled on me. Get your friends back across the street, Angelo. His use of my name didn't surprise me. My father was a detective with the Harding Farms Police Department. Policemen frequently recognized me, even if I hadn't met them before. Come on, guys, I said and stepped onto the sidewalk. Thanks. The police officer nodded at me, then glanced at my friends. You boys are too young to smoke. Then he checked his watch, perhaps recognizing that it was maybe too early for us to be so far from school already, and strutted across the street. There was an increasing commotion over there now, although most of it was on the other side of the busted guardrail and farther down the embankment. Two men in white smocks milled about, smoking cigarettes and talking to each other while gazing at their shoes. At one point, they spoke briefly with a uniformed officer. Their languid movements and casual air made me think that nothing too urgent was happening on the other side of the guardrail. You know that guy? Scott whispered, even though the cop was too far away to hear him. I shook my head. It's freezing out here. 
Peter zipped up his coat and blew into his hands. What are they doing anyway? What's going on over there? I shrugged. For the first time, I was aware of the faint tinny sounds of Metallica spilling from the headphones Scott had hanging around his neck. Loyal to his surname, Scott Steeple was tall and slender and possessed the coveted body of a natural athlete. His features were subtle, handsome, his eyes introspective and haunted. Having just turned fifteen one month earlier, Scott was the youngest of our group. He should have been in the grade below ours, but his academic prowess had enabled him to skip second grade. Thus, fate had dropped him in the empty desk behind me in Mrs. Brock's third grade class, consequently forging a friendship between us. You guys going down to the docks tonight? Peter asked. He was pacing, his hands in his pockets, sometimes pausing to balance on one foot, while the other hovered half an inch off the ground.